Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Joining us for worship. Uh, I am excited that one month from today, on the 27th of March, uh, the mask mandate uh, from our governor will be over and we will be uh, engaging maskless in Seattle. Uh, Of course, any uh, of you either here in the room or folks that are watching online, uh, if you choose to come and join us, um, you're always welcome to wear a mask if you feel more comfortable that way. But what we're excited about especially is being back together again. Um, We have had uh, typically recently more folks watching online and in the room. And those of you that are watching online, I think some of you don't like masking and some of you are maybe still concerned for your health and so please come and wear a mask when we get there we're hoping that the numbers um, keep going down uh, and we're planning on club grub uh, to take place in a month and also um, we are excited about uh, being able to be together I think we'll probably do one service that Sunday again to just kind of bring the family together to celebrate we're going to put the sign up that says welcome home uh, and add 2.0 to it. Hopefully this time uh, it will uh, hopefully this time it will stay. We are going to take a moment in a prayer together. Um, Pastor Finney led us in a prayer for Ukraine. We are going to uh, together participate in a prayer for Ukraine. Um, this week, um, I, I, part of my devotions is using a, an app from the 24-7 prayer movement that comes out of the UK, although they're engaged around the world. Um, and I was taken with the prayer that Pete Gregg, who heads up the 24-7 prayer movement, had. And so I thought it would be appropriate for all of us to be able to uh, share in prayer for what's taking place uh, in those uh, in this challenging season over there in the Ukraine. So if you would again stand with me. Kevin, if you could bring down my volume just a little bit. Thank you. So we're going to join together in prayer. I'm going to read the gold, and uh, I will ask you uh, to read the white. There will be some slides where there are several slides in the gold, and, and then the white is what the congregation will share in. Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, that they may live without fear before you all their days. Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945. We simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above, which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Give our many brothers and sisters in the nation courage in this crisis that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up the brokenhearted, and bring comfort to all who mourn. 
You, Lord, make war cease to the end of the earth. You break bows and shatter spears and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate the crisis. We hear wars and rumors of wars, but you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus, we say, be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So you may have noticed I'm still uh, limping a little bit, and a couple I had a meniscus tear, a uh, couple of them, and surgery, and so I'm just continuing to uh, to rehab from that. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, the last time I preached, um, I I ended the sermon. We're talking about Moses in this series, and I ended with the words something like. Uh, great leaders lead with a limp. And then I proceeded to limp off the stage. And uh, I, I never even thought about how those came together until someone said, do you realize that you... Uh... So anyway, that was, uh, that was interesting. This week, the pastors in Edmonds had a meeting with Chief Michelle Bennett, our new chief of police. And uh, she is really um, a great one. Uh, we are blessed to have her. Uh, Some of you know Chief Al Compan. She actually trained as a new police officer under uh, Chief Al. uh, And uh, we are, as I say, we're really blessed to have her. She was a major uh, with the King County Police Department. And then uh, she served as uh, the chief of police for Maple Valley and for uh, Sammamish uh, before retiring and then being pulled out of retirement to come and serve us here in Edmonds. Uh, so we are uh, blessed to have her here. We are going to continue this morning our series on Moses. In fact, we're, uh, we're finishing up on uh, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. I may say a little more about that when the service closes. Uh, but uh, Lent begins And uh, we encourage you to participate in that. And next Sunday, we begin the Ten Commandments series. And so we're kind of transitioning, although the Ten Commandments will have to do with Moses, of course, as well. So I have, uh, in good pastoral fashion, three points for us this morning. This time, to help you remember them, they are three R's. Um, I think Jeff... I'm looking around to see if Jeff, I think he stepped out. Jeff was here in the, in the first service sitting here. Um, he plays uh, keyboard for us, and you may have noticed his interest. Where are you, Jeff? Oh, <laughs> there you are. Um, Jeff, you, this is, I, I just have to share this. So if you could stand, because I'm talking about the letter R. So turn around so folks can see that. So, so Jeff, Jeff wears interesting T-shirts. So far, none of them have been overtly political or naughty. So Jeff, as long as you maintain that, we're, we're probably going to be okay. But what's significant about Jeff's shirt is that while I'm not as young as I used to be, I remember when I was learning the alphabet, I thought elemento was a letter. I really did. I thought elemento was a letter. It's amazing that I must not be the only one that thought elemento was a was a letter. That's um, yeah, that's. Crystal, uh, my wife bought it for me at JCPenney's a couple days ago. Oh, 
Thanks, Crystal. By the way, Crystal, it's so nice to have you here. Crystal has been helping another congregation up in Linwood, and so they've usually been separated on Sundays, but it's really cool to have you here. So thanks for joining us. Okay, so uh, we're going to spend three R's, and the three R's are not reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, The first R is recognition of what God has done, and that is from Exodus chapter 18, verse 1. We will have the cheat sheets up here for you, but I encourage you to either use a Bible app on your phone. There's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, at least in some along the way. Uh, And it's always good to connect um, that way if you can. Okay, so chapter 18, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, interesting name. How many of you, I'm going to date you now, when you hear the name Jethro, think of Jethro Bodine. Yeah, look at those hands. So I did this in the first service, and Lynn helped me. There she is back there. Um, So sing along with me if you remember Come listen to my story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. One day he was shooting at some food. When up from the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, Texas tea. Well, <laughs> that's probably enough. I, <laughs> that's, that's not exactly, a, it's not exactly a, a good spiritual song, but... Anyway, those of us that remember the Beverly Hillbillies, um, this is not that Jethro, although that Jethro must have been quite a guy because he had aspirations of being a brain surgeon. Remember, that was his his goal in life. So we're going to roll back to Jethro back in the time of Moses, who was Moses' father-in-law, and actually our theme for today is advice from a father-in-law, and that's what happens here. So these words that I read, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought them, uh, had brought Israel out of Egypt. Think about how remarkable this is. He says, all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. When we hear this, we think about the transcendence of God. Transcendence means the otherness of God. And so... We think of this uh, setting with Jethro and Moses, and we go back over God showing his transcendence, his totally otherness by the miracles that came through. So the first one um, was Moses' call. You know, well, actually, we could go back even earlier, Moses being saved as a Jewish boy. But then we move on and we have the call, the burning bush, the bush that was burning but doesn't burn up. And then we have the 10 plagues that come on Egypt. We have the Passover. We have the route out of Egypt that Pastor Finney talked about last week. And then we have the uh, Red Sea parting and the the children of Israel going across. And then when the Egyptians attempted to to get them, the waters came back over. So there was these transcendent moments over and over and over again. And I don't know in your lives whether you have had many transcendent moments. I have not had a lot of transcendent moments, some, but not a lot. 
I, I don't actually, I can hardly remember the moment when I made a decision to follow Jesus. I think I was about five years old, and I have this vague memory of going into a room where they prayed with us if we wanted to follow Jesus. But what I do remember was when I was about 12 years old was the transcendence of God coming down on my life as like a 12-year-old and experiencing the power of God in such a way in my life in that moment that I didn't want to go home from church. I just wanted to sit and enjoy the presence and the power of God in my life. Now, you got to know that was transcendent because 12-year-old boys always want to go home from church. Uh, that's just the, way it, just the way it works. So, especially if you're a preacher's kid. So, um, so in my life, I've had that experience. Some of you may have had transcendent moments in your life, but it, it, there's no particular value or something special about people who have transcendent moments. But it's just that they, these things happen still today. I have, I have prayed for people who have claimed that they have been healed through healing prayer. I've had someone say, well, that was a word of knowledge from God for me. Those kinds of things happen, but they're relatively rare in our experience. But we also need to consider the fact that our God is an imminent God. So the transcendent God is kind of farther away and the miraculous comes through. But the imminent God is the God that's with us all the time. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit abides in our heart. We were led by Casey and the worship team into a song, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. We believe that as we worship, the Holy Spirit does indeed fill this place and fill our hearts. That's the imminence of God. And recognizing the presence of God, whether it's transcendent or imminent, uh, imminence also, by the way, includes the sacramental. It includes the, the recognition that God is around us. We see this here again in Exodus chapter 18, verse 9. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that God had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the land of the Egyptians. So when he experienced the presence of God, the working of God in his life, he went vertical. The response was thanksgiving. The response was gratitude. When we experience truth and beauty and goodness, it should move us in many ways out of our own moment, our own experience, with a whole different worldview than those who don't engage in uh, a relationship with God. Because when we experience truth and beauty and goodness, it should, it should make us go vertical. I, I don't know who people who don't follow God, who are not in relationship, who actually they think when they experience those kinds of moments in their lives because we should immediately thank God. A few weeks ago, I shared some verse from Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She said, earth crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. What a description of a worldview where some only experience the material fruit of the bush while others from their worldview are able to see the world is aflame with the presence of God. Recognition of God's presence leads us to do something, to take our shoes off, 
to recognize we're on hollow ground, to give prayers of thanksgiving and gratitude and praise, to recognize that our world is enchanted with God's presence. I enjoy the story told by Brennan Manning. I've probably shared this several times. It's so appropriate. Several years ago, Edward Farrell, an Irishman from Detroit, took his two-week summer vacation to go back to Ireland to join in the celebration of his Uncle Seamus, who is turning 80 years of age. And on the morning of that great day, Ed and his uncle got up before dawn. They dressed in silence, and they went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. And just as the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared straight at the rising sun, and Ed stood beside him in the beauty of that moment. And it was quiet. There wasn't a single word exchanged. And then the elderly uncle began to skip, literally at 80 years of age, to skip along the shore of Lake Killarney. After catching up with him, Ed commented, Uncle Seamus, you look happy. Do you want to tell me why? I wish I could do the Irish. He said, yes, lad. The old man said, tears washing down his face, you see, the father is very fond of me. (laughs) The father is very fond of me indeed. (laughs) Friends, we may not be on the shores of Lake Killarney in Ireland early in the morning, but I can say to all of us that The Father is fond of us, every one of us. The second word, our word here that I want to suggest for us is respect for others. Respect for others. Verse 7 of Exodus 18, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they had asked each other then uh, of their welfare and went into the tent In ancient cultures, there were prescribed ways, there were protocols of how deference was shown and how greetings took place. And in this case, we see that Moses was the one that initiated the greeting to his father-in-law who was older, and uh, respect flowed in that kind of relationship. He bowed down and kissed him, and then they engaged in the mutual respect around sharing about their lives, how they were doing Respect for others is such an integral part of the Christian message. Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is what was read for us this morning by Livy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he who makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So that's from the words of Jesus. We, we shift into the words of the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians 4, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus, Paul, and now Peter. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution 
whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Isn't it remarkable in this passage It says, as followers of Jesus, our respect goes as far as presidents and governors and institutions. And it's no secret that in this time our nation is polarized. We've been polarized around the pandemic response, polarized around the 2020 election, polarized around racism or lack thereof, and polarized around the future of our nation. And As followers of Jesus, we have opinions on these things as well. But I think we are wise to consider that God has placed us here as resident aliens. We are citizens of the kingdom of God whose values need to be thoroughly a part of the lives that we live. And so we live in this world in this time in 2022 in the United States of America But we do it as resident aliens because our citizenship ultimately rests in heaven. In November, a conference was held in a a church in Dallas. And um, I, I just saw a brief clip of the conference. These were these people in at this church in Dallas were at this conference were white evangelicals. And I was mortified when in the clip they proceeded to chant let's go Brandon let's go Brandon they chanted that now it's not my intention this morning to explain if you don't know what that means you can google it when you get home but it's something that's not very nice at all not very appropriate to come out of the mouths of followers of Jesus Christ Whether the president is President Biden or whether the president is President uh, uh, Trump when he, was, when he served in the White House and whatever the future president may be, we have a responsibility to respect those in authority over us. It's a sad commentary when we see sometimes the behavior of those who have chosen to follow Jesus where their politics lead before their expression of their faith and the values that they have as citizens of the kingdom of God. We have an anonymous letter from the second century called the Epistle to Diognetus. Now, this is within about a hundred years of the time of Jesus. So we do have information about what happened in the church after the New Testament. So this is within about a hundred years. And he talks here about the place of Christians in their country very early in the life of the church. He said, for Christians are no, excuse me, no different from other people in terms of the country, language, or customs. Nowhere do they inhabit cities of their own, 
use a strange dialect, or live life out of the ordinary. They have not discovered this teaching of theirs through reflection or through thought of meddlesome people, or do they set forth any human doctrine, as do some. They inhabit both Greek and barbarian cities according to the lot assigned to each. And they show forth the character of their own citizenship in a marvelous and admittedly paradoxical way by following local customs in what they wear and what they eat and the rest of their lives. They live in their respective countries. But here's the point. They live in their respective countries, but only as resident aliens. They participate in all things as citizens, and they endure all things as foreigners. Every foreign territory is a homeland for them, and every homeland foreign territory. They marry like everyone else and have children, but they do not expose them once they are born. They share their meals, but not their spouses. They are found in the flesh, but do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but participate in the life of heaven. They are obedient to the laws that have been made, but by their own lives, they supersede the laws. They love everyone and are persecuted by all. They are not understood and they are condemned. They are put to death and made alive. They are impoverished and make many rich. They lack all things and abound in everything. To put the matter simply, what the soul is to the body, this is what Christians are in the world. Friends, as we engage here on earth, let's remember to do so as citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God, who live as resident aliens and bring those values into the world in which we live. Finally, this morning, the last R, the third R, is our response to God, our response to God. Verse 12, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So, We've seen already that the response of Jethro to all that God has done was one of joy. It was gratitude. And it led to a specific response, and that specific response was to worship God, who was the source of that blessing. He was recognized as the reason behind the favor that Moses had received, and he went vertical with thanksgiving. Our word worship comes from the Old English worth-ship. And it's expression that in worshiping God, we worship Him because He is worth our worship. He is worth our praise. He's worth our gratitude. I want to read you, um, this will shock you that I quote C.S. Lewis this morning, but um, I, I want you to listen to this really carefully because if we're not careful when we read the Scriptures... And we see like the psalmist today exercising praise to God. We know that God wants us to be humble. And yet it can seem like God is a, is a melomaniac because we, we praise him. And it's like, so, so what's the deal with that? Does God want our praise? Well, C.S. Lewis has this amazing insight on actually what it does for us when we praise God. So listen to this carefully. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise is not merely uh, express, excuse me, because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Okay? So, So we enjoy something and then we talk about it and that completes the joy. The joy of the experience in and of itself 
isn't complete unless we say something about it. He says it's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. I would be in deep trouble if the only time I told Barb how beautiful she was was on our wedding day. Lovers keep telling each other how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scots Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these things are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. I recently came across a a very brief two and a half minute video. And it's a, a video of, a, of an early morning flight by a man by the name of Richard McSpadden. Richard McSpadden, you probably haven't heard of his name, uh, but he is head of the Air Safety Institute for AOPA, AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. And uh, Richard uh, had a 20-year career in the Air Force. He was the lead pilot for the U.S. Air Force demonstration team, the Thunderbirds and continued in his life involvement in aviation. And I realize that you, um, many, most of you may not have any particular interest in aviation. But what I want you to get here is even not so much the visuals as the words that McSpadden offers as a voiceover in this two and a half minute video about his experience. Let's watch together. Gratitude consumes me when I fly my Super Cub. This bright yellow magic carpet that takes me to wondrous places physically and mentally. Morning flights are especially magical. The air is smooth. The Super Cub rigs so well that it's akin to having an autopilot. I can take my hand off the stick to sip some home roasted coffee or adjust the satellite music flowing through my headset. I feel some warmth from the paltry cabin heat which knocks the chill off my legs in sporadic waves. I'm viewing an IMAX movie out my front windscreen, but I'm not just watching the action, I'm in it. Immersed in this spectacular panorama. The smells and sounds are real. The vibrations in my scene aren't fabricated. Their reassurance, the Lycoming O320 is as content with this entire setting as I am. The moment is bliss, and I'm so grateful to capture it. Well aware that it's transient, both in a moment and in a lifetime. Flying has brought so much to my life, in many ways has been my life. 
the feeling of gratitude to the many people who boosted me here comes back frequently. In ways it seems unfair that I was exposed to aviation and given opportunities few have, and I feel a growing urge to give back, cast a wider net, and expose more people to this splendid experience that can change the trajectory of a life. Flying inspires and fosters connection and a community, and we could use more of that now. I have no idea what his relationship with the Lord may be, but I was so taken when I saw this video clip of the joy that he experienced in flying and how it made him go vertical in gratitude. The, the expression of gratitude in his life. And again, flying may not be the thing that does that for you, but the beauty of his expression of how thankful he is for something that literally changed the trajectory of his life. He inspired us, I think, to look in our lives at those things in our lives that give us wonder and cause us to live with gratitude and joy in our lives. There was one other thing in the video I'd like you to see as we close this morning. What if you saw it? He speaks of the amazing privilege it was for him to be able to fly. And he appreciates all those that invested in him. He says <clears throat> this, he says, I have a growing urge to give back, to cast a wider net and expose more people <clears throat> to this splendid experience that can change the trajectory of a life. Wow. He so proudly, proud, profoundly and beautifully is affected by the experience that he doesn't only go vertical with gratitude, but now he wants to share that experience. And friends, having been touched by the wonder of God in our lives, we have a responsibility to share it so that others may also have in their lives a change of trajectory in the right direction. Before leaving for home, Jethro Observe the need for a change in Moses' life so that many more would have the trajectory of their lives changed. And so he gave him some advice. The advice he gave him we call stewardship. It's recognizing that we only live for a certain amount of time and we can use the gifts and calling in our lives for good or for ill, or we can waste them. Jethro told Moses to be a better steward of God's gift in verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and tens. And they judged the people at all times, any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Richard McSpadden in the video speaks of the natural response to the wonder of flying is to share it with others. Friends, we who have met God in worship and having expressed gratitude and praise, what's left for us is to be able to share that joy with others. We share that joy by telling others about Jesus. We share that joy by living as citizens of the kingdom of God and all the values that are there, but living that life here on earth in this time and this place as resident aliens, infusing 
our city and our state and our nation and our world with the values of the kingdom of God. And then we can share the joy by investing in the lives of those who need the most help. Friends, my desire for me and for you is we would one day hear the words of Jesus from Matthew 25 that says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will make you faithful over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for your word, a lamp to our feet, a light to our pathway. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Moses from whom we have learned so much. We ask now, Lord, that as we've been looking at his life and the theme of growing through challenging times, that you would be with us. And may this week and beyond we be people of gratitude and people who share the wonder and the joy of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand?